Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast for the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, we encourage you to check out our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org. You can also subscribe on iTunes or wherever you like to get podcasts. And now, here's this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Vineyard. Happy Sunday. Maybe you noticed I have a new stage. It's pretty special. It's pretty special. Anyway, uh, happy to have you in the room. It's good to have all these faces with us this morning. We're going to continue our series here at the Vineyard on the story of the Bible. That's something we've been doing for the last couple weeks. We've been talking about the story of the Bible. And if you haven't been here or if you've been out of the loop, the reason that we're talking about the story of the Bible is because human beings are storied creatures. That's how we make sense of the world. It's how we bring meaning into uh, our lives. It's the way we take everything that's happening, which is always more than we can Uh, more than we can discern, and it's always greater than our ability to take it all in. And what we do is we take stories and we use storytelling to be able to take everything that's happening in the world, whether it's big or whether it's small, whether it's boring or whether it's important, and to arrange it in a fashion that brings some kind of order to what could could in some ways seem like disorder. So we're doing a story here. We're doing a series on the story of the Bible because number one, human beings are storied creatures. Like it's just what we do. But one of the things that I've been thinking about lately is uh, the ability for human beings to be kidnapped by a story that is less than the kingdom story. And if you're not aware of all the stories that exist in the world, one of the things you need to know is that every single day, you and I live in story-soaked environments. We're living in national stories all the time. We're living in political stories. We're living in familial stories. Some of us here have trauma stories. And if we don't, A, recognize that those are in our lives and are having an effect on our lives, that's a problem. But if we don't also realize that there's a kingdom story that supersedes, the, that supersedes all of those and is inviting us into it, then one of the things that could happen is you and I could have our values hijacked by a lesser story. You know, we could think, oh, I'm a Christian, but then all of a sudden, I'm mostly still living out of my trauma story. Or we could be like, I want to be a Christian, but I'm mostly living out of like a 24 news hour cycle story, whatever that is. And the next thing you know, year after year, we become discipled by these stories. And then Not only are we living in them, but eventually we become participants, like we become embodiments of those stories. So part of what we're saying here at the Vineyard for the next few weeks is, my goodness, we want to know the story of the Bible that we might enter into it. Just like in Daniel chapter two, when I started this series, uh, Daniel has this vision of a kingdom that comes and it smashes every other kingdom. It replaces them. It grows into the mountain of the Lord. That is the story of God. The story of the kingdom is eventually going to replace every other kingdom. So why would you want to waste your life on something that's eventually going to be replaced? That's the question. And so what we want to do is we want to enter into the kingdom story, the story of the Bible. And in order to do that, you have to know what is the story of the Bible? Well, one of the things, one of the things that we found out last week is that the story of the Bible is soaked in goodness. And if you didn't catch last week's message, 
I hope you'll go back and check it out because maybe, maybe you thought that, you know, uh, something about uh, the life of God, or maybe, maybe you've grown up in a tradition where, where goodness wasn't a key feature of God's nature or, or the kingdom story. And man, you just can't even open up the first pages of the Bible without seeing the word good or goodness. It's literally everywhere. And what we want to do this morning is I want to build on that. And I, I want to share a message with you this morning, continuing on this idea of the story of God. And I want to talk about, I want to talk about Blessing, if that'd be all right this morning. Like blessing. Blessing is another one of those words that's literally all over the Bible. Everywhere you look, you run into blessing. All over the Bible. It shows up first in Genesis, and then it, it, it continues all the way through the scriptures to the very end. When it shows up in Genesis, it shows up with God first blessing the fish and the animals. Did you know that God first blessed, blessed the, like, the creatures before he ever blessed people? Isn't that a weird thing? Like, like fish and animals were first blessed by God. It says he, he specifically blessed them and told them, like, be fruitful, multiply, make more, be more, just increase. And then right after that, God speaks a very similar blessing over human beings. Just being a person at some level means that you are held in the affectionate gaze of God, you know? Uh, that's part of what it means to be blessed. It means to have his favor on your life, like to have, to have the kind and affectionate thoughts of God toward you, you know? And maybe that's, a, maybe that's a new idea. Maybe you grew up in a tradition where you assumed God was opposed to you, you know? Some of us ran around looking kind of like anxiously toward heaven, assuming that a thunderbolt or a piano was coming our way, but one of the things that the Bible shows us is that God's heart is to bless the cosmos and to especially bless people. And then after God blesses man and woman in Genesis, we see in our text this morning that God shows up to another guy named Abraham and he blesses him. And he promises, not only that, I'm going to keep on blessing you and through you, I'm going to bless the whole world. And then after that, if you keep reading in Genesis, you read the story about Jacob. What does Jacob do? He wrestles for the blessing, right? Uh, before he wrestles for the blessing, he lies, cheats, and steals for the blessing. Not only that, but a little bit after that, you see that Moses goes up on the mountain and he pronounces both blessings and curses. Yeah, but it's this idea that, like, that blessing is just interwoven into this thing. And then after that, Moses' right-hand man, Aaron, he speaks a blessing. It's the priestly blessing. Maybe, you, maybe you've read that in the Bible. Anybody remember that? The Lord bless you and what? And keep you and make his face shine upon you, right? And give you peace. Then if you flip all the way up to the New Testament, when it comes to the birth of Jesus, Mary sings a song. And in the song she sings while she's pregnant with the Messiah, she says, I am blessed and everybody will look back on me and they'll remember that I was blessed. It's part of her song. And then Jesus grows up from a little baby. He becomes a man and he goes and starts his ministry. And when he starts his ministry, he goes up to the mountain. Maybe you've heard of it, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And how does the Sermon on the Mount begin? It begins with Jesus pronouncing blessings, doesn't it? By the way, there's a difference between when Moses stands on the mountain and when Jesus stands on the mountain. Moses pronounces blessings and curses. When Jesus stands on the mountain, it's only blessing. 
And it's for people who thought that they were on the outside. Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, right? Blessed are those who mourn, you will be comforted. Blessed are the peacemakers, you'll be called sons and daughters of God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, you'll be filled. Over and over again, blessing, blessing, blessing. The Bible is a story that over and over again, it just runs with this theme. The word comes to us, but then then beyond the word blessing, the theme, the melody, the melody of blessing is woven all the way through this story. That reminds me of Taylor Swift. (laughs) We've been talking about Tay-Tay for a few weeks. We're gonna keep talking about Tay-Tay. In fact, I'm going to quote Tay-Tay every single sermon in this series. One of Tay-Tay's strategies in her songwriting is Taylor likes to repeat things. Like it's in almost every song. Once you see this in her songwriting, by the way, this is just how you write good pop music uh, because it's good storytelling. Remember A few weeks ago, I told you that if you want to tell a story, you have to take the too much and you have to reduce it to something that's like holdable. And when you want to reduce it, if you want to make something seem more important or if you want to put emphasis on something and let your listener or your reader know, hey, this is really important, what do you do? You repeat it, right? And Taylor Swift is a master at repeating the things she wants you to remember and to know. Look at these lyrics. Because I dropped your hand while dancing, left you out there standing, crestfallen on the landing, champagne problems, next slide. Your mom's ring in your pocket, my picture in your wallet, your heart was glass, I dropped it, champagne problems. Does anybody know this song? Can anybody sing it? Can anybody sing it with me? Let's go back to the first slide, Reese, help me. (laughs) Why are you backing up now? You put your hand up. What was that? I didn't say sing a solo. I said sing it with me. Listen, I I don't know if I can even remember this. It goes something like this. Because I dropped your hand while dancing, left your head this standing, Chris falling on the landing, champagne problems. Your mama's ring in your pocket, my picture in your wallet, your your heart was glass, I dropped it, champagne problems. Okay, question, question. What's repeated in this? Correct, the lyrics champagne problems are repeated. Is there anything else repeated? People, pe- your, come on. <laughs> people who know the song, people who know the song, what else is repeated? The melody. Taylor does this over and over and over again. This is how she really tells her stories, by the way, right? She's repeating the melody in those three lines of the chorus over and over again. Your mom's ring in your pocket, my picture in your wallet, your heart was glass, I dropped it. Same melody, right? What is she trying to say? 
What is she trying to say? She's telling us this is important, and she's repeating the word champagne problems. And isn't that a great metaphor? What is she trying to say in this song? She's basically trying to say, you know what? You can have some problems like down and out problems. And what she's saying is like, I kind of have it together. I have a champagne life and I still have the same dang problems. Pretty good story, isn't it? Anyway, the Bible does the same thing. One of the things I've been realizing as I've been reading back through the Bible is like the Bible is basically just a pop song, right? It's a pop song. It's a Taylor Swift pop song where, where certain themes either by word or by melody, get repeated over and over again. And one of the themes that is repeated over and over again, not unlike champagne problems, is blessing. God sings it and he says it over and over and over again in the Bible. Champagne problems. Here's what I want to do this morning. I want to read you one little passage out of Genesis 12. And then I want to talk to you about blessing for a minute. Help me, Reese. Thank you. Here's what it says. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. Look at this. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. Like, what is the repeating chorus in the song of heaven? Oh, it's blessing. It's like it was there from the beginning. It's, it's over and over again. Just in the same way that Taylor Swift likes to sing about champagne problems, God likes to sing blessing into the cosmos. Notice here that the word bless or blessing shows up over and over again, right? Shows up like five times in three verses about one guy. But then it's not just that. Then after this moment, the theme, the melody of blessing gets sang through the rest of Scripture. So I want to talk to you about that for a few minutes this morning. First thing I want to say, and the first thing I want to bring your attention to is the idea of big moves. Maybe we could go back to the first one. Reese, verse one. Big moves. It's important that we not only see that blessing is this recurring theme in the heart of God and in the story of God. But it's also important that we see the context and, and grab a hold of what the actual meaning of the word blessing is when God sings it, when God says it, right? Notice that this passage is soaked with blessing. Notice, notice though that the blessing is couched in a command. Notice that it's couched in a command, not an invitation, but a command. And it's a command to leave. Notice that Abram is commanded to move. And notice that this is not just a small move, but this is a big move. Leave your native country. Leave your relatives. Uh, leave your father's family and go to a place that you don't know and I haven't, I'm not even telling you yet, right? Uh, why am I framing it this way? Well, it needs to be framed this way because blessing is not a membership in a country club of relaxation. Biblically speaking, blessing is not a membership in the kick your feet up club. 
Blessing is not even an invitation. Blessing is a command. And it's first to Abram, a command to leave. Leave everything you've known. And by the way, we have to like do a little imagination here. Leave everything you know at a moment in time when there are no grocery stores. Leave everything you know at a moment in time when there are no vaccinations, when there are no stimulus checks, when there is no unemployment. Leave your family. Leave everything. It was your literal and best and only protection in the world. Your family, your native land, and your culture was your best chance of survival. And God is saying, I'm going to bless you, but, in, but the first thing you have to do is leave everything that will give you a chance in this world at surviving. It's like, it's like it just upends everything, right? Because, because when you and I think of blessing, what do we think of? Well, I think of like, I got a lot of money and I've got a Lexus with heated seats and heated steering wheel. You know, I think, I think, I think of blessing as being like, everybody, everybody likes me and everything's cool. I think of blessing as being the mediation of risk, right? Like, I think of blessing being getting to this spot either probably, you know, probably financially where like the risks just sort of evaporate out of my life. And here we see God wanting to bless someone and he's saying like, don't push risk further away. In fact, embrace it in the most radical way possible. Leave everything that is an advantage and step out into the unknown and you'll meet me there. Leave it all behind. Blessing isn't worldly security. It's not found in the place of creaturely comforts. Blessing is actually the disturbing call to step out into the unknown. It's big moves. It's letting go. It's trust. And the blessed life is usually the letting go and the trusting life. You know, maybe this morning there are people here and the word of God to you is, I intend to bless you and I would like you to let go. Maybe, maybe it's to let go of, of uh, geography or place. Or, or maybe it's letting go of a job. Or maybe it's letting go of a relationship. Maybe it's letting go of an idea about God that has literally sunk you for years. Uh, it could be any number of things, but blessing is almost always first the, the disturbing call to let go. Not creaturely comforts. Second thing I want to talk to you about is something I'm calling heaven's stream. Heaven's stream. Do this for a moment. Imagine a stream. Maybe you've been out to a river or a stream. Imagine a stream. Imagine a stream with like a steady current, you know? Maybe it's not the biggest stream in the world, you know? Maybe it's not the Nile. But maybe it's like bigger than a creek and it's always moving, Right? Imagine a flow that just won't stop. Imagine, imagine current that just won't stop. That's God's blessing. It's a stream that flows from him into the world. Ezekiel even had a picture of this at one point. Ezekiel's a prophet in the Old Testament. He has this picture of like the throne of God and from underneath the throne, there's this river. And the, here's what's weird. The further it gets away from God, the deeper it gets. 
which like, I love that picture, by the way, because we would assume that it's deepest next to God, right? No, there's something about the river of God. It gets deeper away from him, which is, which is essentially like a prophetic picture of God saying, like, I care most deeply about those things that seem most far away from me, you know? So just imagine this stream. It's flowing from like the very, the very throne of God and it's coming to the world. And here's why I want you to imagine that. Because it's not something we have. I guess one of the things I want to do when it comes to the word blessing is I just want to reorient us away from this idea that blessing is like this possession that I have. Instead, blessing is this stream that comes to us. It's the affection of God that comes to us. Uh, it's not a possession. Uh, it's, not something, it's not something I own, but paradoxically, it is something I share. That's what's weird. It's not something I can just keep in my midst, but it is something I can give away. It's not something I own, but in the end, it's something we become. Notice that God says to Abram, I'm going to bless you and through the whole world is gonna be blessed through you. Like it's something you eventually become like this father, this mother, this brother, this sister of blessing. God lives to bless people. A good, God does not simply offer like a little token that you could put in your pocket. He offers a river of goodness and delight that take you over. It's like, it's like a soaking wet person in the middle of a river. They do not possess that river, it possesses them. And then that soaking wet person is able to invite others in. And then if you were to embrace that person, uh, it's, it means you get wet with whatever they're wet with. That's a better picture of blessing. To embrace them is to get covered as well. Here's what that means. It means when it comes to the blessing and the affections of God, there's no room for pride. There's no room for snootiness. There's no room for elitism. I hope you noticed that in this passage, Abraham didn't even ask to be blessed, did he? Like God just shows up to him and says, hey, leave everything you know, I'll bless you. Uh, Abram didn't ask to be blessed. Uh, Abram didn't pray to be blessed. Uh, just like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden didn't ask for life. The blessing of God, it comes to this world. It, it breaks in. It breaks in even in the places where we didn't ask for it or know how to ask for it. Like God is blessing people in this world right now, even people who don't know him, even people who don't care for him, even people who haven't asked for it, the kindness and affections of God are breaking in even now. Jesus says, my father reigns on what? The righteous and the unrighteous. Like the, affection, the river, the stream of God's kindness just comes to the world. We can't own it, but we can share it. There's no room for snootiness. I didn't even ask for it. I didn't even ask for it. Abram didn't ask for it. It just breaks in. Even in our ignorance, even in our stupor, even when we were prepared to live for less or to live with what's regular or to live a life measured by standard wisdom or the age, of the age, God's goodness breaks in. It's his heart to bless. It shows up. And it's really the stream of heaven. Like even now, even this morning, the stream of heaven is here. Like God's kindness is here. You know, here's the other part. It'll be with you tomorrow. It's out in the world. Like the stream of heaven is literally everywhere once you learn how to see it. But we don't get to be the people who, who own it. We don't put no trespassing signs by it. We don't, we don't figure out how to make money off of it. We just share it. And the reason we share it is 
because of what God tells Abraham. Can we put up verse 3? Here's what God tells Abraham. He says, I'm going to bless you and all the families on the earth will be blessed through you. Whatever, whatever it is that's in your life right now, it's not just for you, it's for the world. The story of the kingdom of heaven is one of blessing and it's not just that God wants to bless you, but through you, God wants to touch the world. All the families. When we encounter the blessing of God, we receive something for us, but it's never just for us alone. It's always for other people. It's not our possession. It's a river and we just, we just share and we invite. One of the other things I see in this is that our connection to the world is supposed to be mediated by the blessing of God. One way to understand life might be something like this. In the very places you have met God, uh, in the very places where you have felt his favor, in the very places he has brought you out from what seemed like safety, in the very places where you were relying on something less, in those very places that God has been with you, uh, turn and offer that to the world, whatever it is. Why? Because blessing can't be contained. It can only be shared. Blessing can't be hoarded. Instead, it's got to be passed along. It's like, I want to offer you four images here. It's like a perfect meal. Anybody ever have a perfect meal? You know, I, occasionally we do, don't we? We just have like a perfect meal. Like, now here's what I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine perfect food, perfect drinks in the perfect setting with perfect service. And it's like everything is just right. Maybe you've had one of those moments. Now imagine you're alone. That sucks, doesn't it? That sucks. How many of you know that if you're having a perfect meal, like the only thing that can make it more perfect is to share it? How many of you have ever had this experience? Maybe you're even sitting with someone or a couple someones. So let's imagine it's you and three people. There's four, right? And you're having this perfect meal. The food is perfect. The drinks are perfect. The service is perfect. The seats are perfect. Everything is great. The conversation is perfect. People haven't even been annoying. Like, it's just great. The jokes are good. Like, everything is great. And how many of you have ever had the experience of in the middle of a perfect meal, you've said to someone else at the table, you know, I just wish what? I wish this other person was here too. You know, have you ever had that experience? That's it. That is literally it. That is, that is what it means to encounter blessing. That is, that is Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. That is like the intention of God. Like whatever is perfect in your life, whatever you have received, whatever you have received in terms of goodness or kindness or experience or interaction with God, uh, the only way, the only appropriate response for that thing is to share it. Like blessing, like if God has been kind to you in any way, if you can name it, the only appropriate response is to share it. And here's what's weird. Sharing it makes it grow. It actually doesn't take anything away from it. It makes it grow. It's like cucumbers in the garden. Anybody ever plant cucumbers? Everybody plants a garden, right? Especially here in Kentucky, they're like, I'm going to plant a garden this year. I'm going to be self-sustaining. <laughs> you know, everybody does this thing, you know, and you're like, well, what are we going to have? Well, I want some corn and I want some beans and I want some, uh, I want some tomatoes and I want some cucumbers. And, you, and every family does this. Like it's, it's the biggest mistake in gardening. 
uh, what you need for your whole family, like even if you've got 20 people in your family, what you need is one cucumber plant. Okay, but what do you do? You plant like five. You're like, man, I'm going to hill it up. It just looks more beautiful. And you're like, you got the hills, you got the cucumbers. And then like, you know, you wait and you wait. And then all of a sudden the cucumbers bloom and it doesn't frost. So that's good. And then the bees come and do their thing. And then all of a sudden there's little tiny cucumbers. You get a little excited. And then one day there's like three cucumbers. You're like, oh, this is awesome. You go out and you grab them and you, you take them in. And you eat them, you're like, this is amazing. And then the next morning you go out and there's 57,000 cucumbers. Yeah. And then you're bringing them to the vineyard and you put them on that table out front. The people do this every year. Same thing with zucchini. Like you just need one, right? But even one is enough to share. Like the only appropriate thing to do with cucumbers is to give them away because you can't do it. And by the way, once they get big, they're no good. Nobody, listen, y'all, ain't nobody wanting your big giant cucumbers. Don't be bringing that to my house. You, you tie that up in a plastic bag and leave it on my porch. I'm just taking it to the composting pile. Ain't nobody eating that, you know? It's like, it's like jokes and memes. The only appropriate thing to do with a joke is what? It's to share it. How many of y'all, how many of y'all have like friend texts and it's nothing but memes? Seriously, I have friends. We don't even talk to each other. We just meme each other. It's just like, there's just like all week long. It's just crazy memes. That's all it is, right? Why? Because like when you, how many of you have this experience? Like you get a meme, you're like, this meme is hilarious. And then what is the impulse? I have to tell this person about this crazy meme, right? So you text it to your friend. Listen, Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. I mean, sharing makes it grow. Sharing makes it grow. Like, how do, you, how do you get more love in your life? Like, love is another thing like this. You share love and it grows. It literally multiplies. Uh, you, if you share joy, it literally multiplies. You try to keep it to yourself, it, it, it's weird. It withers, it dies. It's the same with God's blessing. It's like a story. Sometimes, uh, sometimes telling the story is actually better than living the story. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah. Anybody ever had like something crazy happen and you're like, wow, I got to call somebody right now. Well, and then you start to tell them and like maybe the story is funny or something. How many of you have ever noticed this? That sometimes the worst things that happen to you, like literally the worst things become the best, most hysterical stories. Yeah. What is that? That's an, amazing, that's an amazing feature. Think about that. Like you could have a moment, you could have a moment where you are, where you are in the bathroom puking and pooping at the same time, <laughs> literally next to death, right? Like the Grim Reaper can be, can be sitting in the bathtub. Come to me, you know? And you just think, this is it. This is how I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die right here in this dirty bathroom soiled and then you don't and you make it out and two days later you're mostly okay you're paler and you weigh a little less but what do you do you tell everybody man you call your friends you're gonna be like man you're not gonna believe this bro I was so sick I was literally yakking 
I, it was crazy, man. I thought I was going to die, you know? Yeah, so I don't understand that. Great stories. Great, like they get better just with the telling, sharing. It's the same thing with God's blessing. This is why any act of generosity is a sign of the kingdom. It's like an opening into the story of God. Like any act of generosity is an opening. It's like a portal into the story of God. Share money, share time, share knowledge, share help, share care, and you've entered into the blessing. It's the kingdom story. Mm. And I just love that Abraham didn't pray for it. He didn't ask for it. He didn't try to impress God for it. He didn't position himself with apostolic alignment. He didn't do any of this crazy stuff that Christians oftentimes do. Didn't do any of that. Nope. Just showed up, right? Like, took another breath. God comes to him. Look, this is all God's thing. God did it all. All right, I want to end here. I want to talk about Jesus for a minute. I want to talk about Jesus for a minute because what was true in Abram is only a shadow. It's only a shadow of who Jesus is because Jesus is God's blessing come to us. Uh, maybe this morning you don't feel particularly blessed. Uh, maybe you even feel cursed, you know? Maybe you feel like, oh my goodness, my life is just one bad thing after another. Or maybe you thought, or maybe you just thought, you thought this, you just had like American ideas about blessing. Maybe, maybe you thought blessing was just like mad cash and a hot partner. Or, or maybe you feel left out. Or, or maybe there was a time when you were in, you were in, but like everything went crazy or maybe like you fell flat on your face and now you feel really disqualified. I have some good news for you this morning. The good news is that Jesus Christ in Jesus Christ, what God promised to one man has shown up for the world. You know, Paul says as much in Galatians. I just want to put one verse from Galatians up for you. This is what Paul says. He says, through Jesus Christ, God has blessed the Gentiles, that'd be us, with the same blessing he promised to Abraham. Notice he doesn't say, will bless the Gentiles, will bless us. He says, has blessed uh, the Gentiles with the same blessing he promised to Abraham so that we who are believers might receive the promised Holy Spirit through faith. This is good news. Jesus is the blessing of God in human flesh. And Jesus showed up pronouncing blessing. Poor in spirit, blessed. Mourning, comforted. Blessed are the meek, they'll inherit the earth. Uh, here's the good news for everybody who doesn't feel like they're all that blessed this morning. Here it is. Good news, Jesus hung cursed so that the whole world might be blessed. That includes you. No matter where you're at, no matter what's going on in your life this morning, Jesus hung naked in front of his mother and the whole world. He hung cursed that you might be blessed. Jesus hung condemned so that every person might be embraced. Every person, even the worst people, God has embraced through his son. God has embraced even the worst, Jesus was condemned that the world might be embraced. Uh, Jesus was killed that the world might be lit, that the world might live. Jesus was exiled that the cosmos might be welcomed home. This is good news this morning. Like no matter what's going on in your life, no matter if you've been an idiot 
or no matter if crazy things, by, by, by crazy things, I just mean life. How many of y'all know that like uh, life is wild and there's stuff out there that you can't control? You know, sometimes life just comes at you and it, it just does things that you have no control over and you feel, you, feel utterly, you feel utterly alone and wasted in this world. I want you to know that God has not forgotten you and Jesus hung cursed that you might experience the embrace of the Father. Even now, even this morning, uh, maybe you felt like, gosh, I used to be blessed and now I don't know, I just, I've, I've gotten away from it or, or something in my life feels off or I feel isolated or I feel alone. The good news is that you can experience the blessing of God today. Today, today. What do you do? I don't know. Do what Abraham did. Start letting go of stuff, you know? Uh, Let go of uh, country, let go of family, Uh, let go of security. You know, maybe maybe reinterpret that for for us in the the room a little bit this morning. Uh, maybe, Maybe we have to let go of, of the life I thought I was supposed to have. You know? Maybe, maybe God's not playing your game. That's part of what I hear in the Abraham story is, hey, Abraham, I'm not playing your game, but I'm inviting you to come play my game. You know? You, you, thought, you thought, Abram, that your life was, uh, a good life was uh, with your dad in Ur. And I'm saying that the blessed life is gonna be without your dad in Cana. You know, maybe we just have to let go of what we thought was supposed to be our narrative. You know, maybe we have to let go with the, the, the minuscule definition of blessing that we formed somewhere along the way. You know, uh, I'll be happy when, or I'll feel content when, like all of these are stand-ins for the thing. And so maybe, maybe this morning we just need to get real brave, like Abraham had to be brave, and we have to get courageous like Abraham had to be courageous and let go of the things that are not actually the things and step in with Jesus, you know? By the way, the Bible is the story of courageous people. Like at some point in our lives, sometimes we just have to be courageous and sometimes the most courageous thing we can do is just let go of like the, the other story. I actually think that's what God is doing this morning in the room and, on, and online, wherever you're at at home. I think God is inviting people to let go of like the other story. Like there's all kinds of stories, right? Just let go. Let go of those stories. It'll, it'll feel scary. It'll feel scary. And you may not even know what story you're grabbing hold of. Like you know it's the kingdom story, but you can't even define it yet. Like Abraham, you know, he's going to Cana. He doesn't even know what Cana is, right? Don't worry. It'll work out. Embrace, embrace the new. Let go. Of, let go. Let go. Be courageous. Step forward. Come on in with Jesus. What God has done in Christ Jesus, he has done for the world. Like his thoughts and his affections and his heart toward you are good today, today. Amen? That's actually some pretty good news. You can start today. You don't have to start tomorrow. You can start today. You can can stand in God's blessing today. By the way, when Abraham starts his journey, how many of you know when he finally decides, okay, I'm going to be brave, I'm going to listen to God, right? Might have taken a minute. And when he started off on his journey, how many of you know when he started leaving his dad, like gets all the sheep and the goats and, and everything together and ties it on the wagon? How many of you know when he starts leaving Ur and his father and headed toward Cana? How many of you know that that first morning didn't feel great? How many of you know he was blessed? 
See, blessing is not always feeling great, right? Like it's like we have to, let's, let's pull that story apart, you know? Maybe, maybe, maybe he felt terrible. Maybe he felt sad. Uh, maybe he felt scared. What about, what about like a few years into Abraham's journey? Remember, remember when that whole thing went down and like, like Lot, y'all remember Lot, don't you? And uh, let me see, Lot, got, like, Lot, Lot gets captured. Y'all remember that? And Abraham's like, well, we got to go get him. How many, how many of you know sheep and goat herders are not generals? How many of you know that being blessed that day was a major inconvenience? Didn't feel good. How many of you know that that day was probably pretty scary? That was a blessed day. Yeah, why? Because he was walking with God, trusting God. That's where it's at. That's where the mojo is at. Walking with God, that's where it's at. So some of you this morning, you might have to let go of a story or an outcome or a picture that you thought was the thing. And maybe God is saying, you know what? That may not be the thing. And I would like you to trust me with a new thing. And by the way, the thing I really want you to trust me with is just my son. And maybe today it won't feel good. That's okay. Uh, maybe it'll be sad. Or maybe, maybe it'll be even like a little scary. That's okay too. That's okay. I just want to say the good news is your feelings are not determining the blessing. You know? Feelings usually come late. Feelings are liars too. I just want to tell you that. Don't get stuck there. All right, Glenn. You guys, I'm done. Come on. Thanks again for stopping by the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening at the Vineyard, you can follow us on social media. Until next time.